And uh, behind you, I think you have the list of folks that are going to speak today. We have one addition uh, to that. Uh, Denise Folley, who is the uh, head of the local chapter of the NAACP, will also be speaking uh, with us today. I want to thank you for being here. I want to start with the fact that um, we wanted to have this uh, press conference as, as soon as possible. Uh, and I wanted to reassure people that uh, we have that we wanted to get the information, the correct information and accurate information out. We sent out a press release this morning early at 3 o'clock, 3.09 this morning. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were here today also to get the, the correct information out. There's a lot of misinformation uh, on social media. A lot of that misinformation that's on social media is not only wrong, that information is dangerous. I cannot say how more proud I am of the men and women who serve our community and how proud I am of the men and women who serve our community and our community in the relationships they have built and we have all built in this community. We spent a lot of time this morning uh, from that first initial call that I received from Chief Anderson, reaching out to members of the community, members of the community that we have a strong relationship that we have built for a very long time. It's that relationship building that allows us to work on issues, issues in, in good times, issues throughout the years, those relationships. And the, those relationships uh, don't, don't come easy. The fact that we have each other's cell phone numbers is probably a good indication that we can call each other at 3, 4 in the morning is an important aspect of that relationship that we have in our community. Clearly, there's a lot of tension in our, in our country, in our world. But the relations that we have built in this community are strong. The men and women who serve this community serve this community with dedication and respect for the individuals they serve. We want to make sure that we have that information with that. We have a number of community members, but I want to turn it over uh, to Chief Anderson uh, to give the information, uh, the, the information that's important. And it's so important that we as a, as a city, as a department, are transparent and get that information out right away. So I'll turn it over to Chief Anderson, Chief of Police for the City of St. Cloud. Thank you, Mayor. Good morning. At approximately nine minutes after midnight, two St. Cloud police officers received information. There was a man with a firearm outside of a local business on the south side of town. They made contact with that individual. A short foot pursuit ensued. After they were able to catch the suspect, a physical struggle ensued, at which point a St. Cloud police officer was shot once in the hand. The injuries are non-life-threatening. I have visited that officer. That officer is in surgery right now. And when I saw that officer this morning, that officer was in good spirits. Suspects in custody. Also in the hospital. Neither St. Cloud police officer discharged their firearm. 
the entire incident lasted approximately five minutes. So by about 15 minutes after midnight, suspect was in custody. Shortly after that, and to the point of, of our fine mayor with respect to misinformation, bad information, or just flat out lies, a crowd formed, approximately 100 people. And they began marching from the south side of town to the police station. We had information that when they arrived here, their intent was to damage property and take over our police station. That didn't happen. I want to also say uh, that along the way, there were several other properties that were damaged. As a result of that incident, there are four others in custody uh, for minor charges. Uh, the individual that, that shot our police officer is facing numerous charges. The BCA is the lead investigation, investigative agency. And so any questions with respect to, to any details of the investigation are going to have to be directed to the BCA. I, too, want to say how proud I am of our St. Cloud police officers. This is one of those situations that could have gone markedly different. This is one of those situations, and, and let me be clear, it is clear, because what I'm, what I'm hearing across the nation is people asking, well, what constitutes the use of deadly force? This did. And our officers showed great restraint, great professionalism, because that's how we do what we do here in St. Cloud. And that's the reason that we work hard to build those relationships. It's the reason why we, we think out of the box. I, I can go on all day uh, about the, the number of initiatives and partnerships that we have. And some of those representatives are, are here with us. And we appreciate, we, we really do, we appreciate them being here. We appreciate the support we get from our community. So if, if people around the country are asking if they want to know what good policing looks like, and, I, and I'm positive we're not the only ones doing it, but I can speak for the St. Cloud Police Department. You want to see what good policing looks like? You want to see what community policing looks like? You want to see what community engagement looks like? Come to St. Cloud, and we'll show you. I'm going to turn it over to, to Pastor Jane Al, James Alberts, and I'll be available for questions uh, afterwards. But again, any questions pertaining to details regarding the investigation will have to be directed to the BCA. Pastor Alberts. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, Mayor. Um, my name is Pastor James Alberts of Higher Ground Church of God in Christ. Bishop Fred Willis Washington is my jurisdictional prelate. Um, we are sitting in an unprecedented time, in an unprecedented moment. There is anger that is justified. There is um, a pandemic inside of pandemics that has been raging for many years. And people have expressed themselves not only in this state, but in this country, and indeed around the world, that that old pandemic must come to an end. 
What I will tell you is that here in St. Cloud, we have been working on that. That has not been something that we have pretended doesn't exist and that this police department and its community have not pretended that it has not existed. We have gone at it head, head on. I received the phone calls this morning um, and began receiving communications not only from the community but from the police department as well. The relationship that we have established over uh, the last 15 to almost 20 years has been in, uh, in anticipation of an unfortunate event such as this. The community is rightfully concerned, but there's no one dead here today. We're thankful that no one has died. We're thankful that we have seen professionalism and we have shown the possibility of what policing can actually look like. And it's interesting what can happen when the police officers know the people that they're policing. And what you have seen on today and what you will see on the remaining of the day, because I believe that St. Cloud is going to show on every front and in every level how to process this event. Yes, there were people that were angry, and it's okay to be angry. Anger in and of itself is not wrong. As a matter of fact, anger is sometimes what's necessary in order to achieve the change that is required. But it is how we express that anger and what we do with that anger that is going to allow us to be able to get not just past this moment, but take us into the next. The community is angry. Our police officers are angry. Everyone can be angry, but we must be wise about this moment that we sit in. And we will carry ourselves into the next moment, looking after one another. I was not the only phone call that was made in the wee hours of the morning to reach out to the community. And I'm thankful that our police department did not follow in some of the footsteps that we've seen happen around this country. It is possible. It is possible to police and not kill. These are hard moments. But I believe that once we have come together as a community like we have done here, and once we have worked not just with the community and the police, but the government as well, we have established ourselves as um, a template to be able to follow. We appreciate the restraint that has been shown and displayed, the professionalism that we have seen in our police department. We also know that our community is justifiably angry. They have a right to let their voices be heard. They have a right to allow their anger to have an outlet. They do not have the right to endanger the safety and the well-being of anyone else. But they will be heard. And we will help them. We will do the things, not just today, 
not just tomorrow, but for, for this time moving forward and from the 15 years up till now, we will continue to do the things that are necessary in order to give voice to the changes that are necessary and required, and we will move in those directions as we see fit. America is watching. America is watching. The world is watching. Now is our time to stand, show unity, show community, and, be, and to be strong together. At this time, I'm going to introduce to you Denise Foley, NAACP president for the St. Cloud chapter. Uh, thank you, Pastor Albers. I want to thank the mayor of the city of St. Cloud for his leadership and also thank Chief Anderson for his leadership. When I received a call from the chief, you know, indicating that there was miscommunication about uh, an incident where two young African-American males were shot, which was not the case. However, one of the things that Pastor Abbott stated, I do agree with, we have the right to feel angry, protest, but we do not have the right to destroy. We have the right to have the facts, and the facts are the young man had a gun. And just as Chief Anderson stated, the definition of deadly force would have been the officer could have shot him, but he showed tremendous amount of restraint. The young man is alive today. But when the pastor speaks about change, I agree we're angry, we're upset. There's numerous incidents across the U.S. and worldwide. But I believe change come at the voting block. Yes, we can work on community policing, but I would like to see individuals start registering to vote for the 2020 election. Change starts at the top. If we're not tackling systemic issues and changing the current practices that are in place, then we're going to continue with the status quo. I believe Chief Anderson has done an amazing job with community policing. I can say that from a personal standpoint. I have a young man that lives in the city of St. Cloud, appeared on the front page of the paper for slapping a police officer. I was outraged. The police officer didn't shoot and didn't kill him. They also have restraint in showing and working with individuals who have mental health conditions. They have done an amazing job. And the pastor is correct. If you really want to see what community policing is, you need to come to St. Cloud. I've witnessed the chief and I have not always been on the same page. But what I've observed over the past several years they're out there. They're working with the youth in the community. They're doing what they need to do. They have a community police agreement in place. They honor that agreement. They meet yearly to reevaluate that agreement. And of course, we're working on the other police stations surrounding central Minnesota, but they do come to the table. That speaks volumes. That's all I have to say. But please, we should register to vote. Thank you. Let me just add uh, one or two additional things. My, my comments about 
community policing were not made arrogantly. I want to be clear about that. They were made very proudly. Uh, I'm extremely proud to work with and for the men and women of the St. Cloud Police Department. Can you, uh, just to take the now, sure. I was wondering, um, the rumors that were going around were talking about black teenagers getting Black male, 18 years old. Okay. How did you receive this information, Chief? Was it a 911 call that came through this after midnight? No. No. Social media, once again. Mm -hmm. That demon. What was the suspect originally detained for or being pursued for? Because we had reason to believe he had a firearm. That was, that was it? I mean, that, that was... That's how it started. Okay. What type of firearm was it? A handgun. What business was he outside of? Uh, I think I'm going to leave that one right now because, the, again, the BCA is, is the lead agency. And the suspect is in the hospital. What are the nature of his injuries? My, my, minor injuries. So, well, Lab, like, self, like he fell or something along those lines, or was it? Don't know that. We're still waiting to, to get the, the determination from, from the hospital staff. When your officers made contact with the suspect, can you talk about the tactics used? Um, obviously, we know they ran after him, but when they were able to make Uh, physical restraint, right? Uh, they were attempting to gain control of this individual. Uh, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you uh, exactly. But but obviously, they, they chased him on foot, and when, when they were able to catch up with him, uh, a physical struggle ensued. So the tactics they used were the correct ones, obviously, given the outcome. Along those lines of that question you just answered and what you were saying earlier, what in these officers' training was um, efficient in this moment to help them perhaps de-escalate or just at the very least not use force? You know what, it, it, it's more than the training, but that's a great question. Um, at, at times like this, unfortunately, a lot of agencies uh, have to cut their training budgets. That's not something that I do. Uh, we have everything from implicit bias and cultural awareness training uh, to, to the obvious things that are mandated by the Pulse Board, uh, be they defensive tactics, uh, firearms training, um, crisis intervention training. Um, we, we go well above and beyond um, the minimum requirements for training here, and that's very deliberate. What was the general timeline between the time the officer was shot and you had to fortify the police station and, and sort of fend off this crowd? How quickly did it, about what time did the 100 people gather and start making their way up here? Probably three or four hours. Don't don't quote me, but uh, it was about three thirty, maybe four. Could have been a little bit later. Uh, what was used to disperse the crowd? Was any tear gas or chemical irritants used? Absolutely. Okay. Can you be specific on that, please? The the agents used to control the crowd. Uh, chemical irritants, right? C C S. Um, you'd have to, I'd have to get that specific information, what we deployed uh, from uh, our tactical team commander. And, and our police department did sustain some damage. We, we had uh, people throwing rocks um, and, and just beginning to get unruly. Uh, so uh, of those numerous properties that were damaged, I, I mentioned before, our police department was one of them. Can you talk about some of the conversations your 
the same conversations I, I think most human beings uh, have had. We're, we're angry about that. We're, we're outraged. We're hurt. We're sickened at, at what we saw. Uh, and, of course, I wanted to take the temperature uh, of our police department uh, and find out where their heads and their hearts were. Uh, and they're displaying normal human emotions while maintaining their professionalism and continuing to show up and stand tall every day. Did the officers relate to you in any way uh, in light of George Floyd's situation in this instance that they were nervous about using deadly force or it was on their mind that they knew that deadly force would, would bring ramifications? They did not. That's, that has not been part of the conversation, you all. We do not have body cameras. You mentioned there were four arrests that happened um, primarily around vandalism. Was it exclusively around that? We saw we saw two people um, who, at the very least, were taken into custody around 6 a.m. I believe between 5:30 and 6 a.m. I'm not sure if those are um, among the four that were arrested or if that's separate. Probably were, and and let me let me be clear. I apologize. Uh, they were for minor things. One was for obstructing. Two were for unlawful assembly, and, and one was for fleeing. And, and I failed to mention as well that we obviously recovered the, that firearm uh, at the scene and, and another one not too far away from uh, where the incident took place. Are you able to give us the officer's name or how long they've been on the police department? 14-year veteran. Are you releasing the name? Not right now. We've got two parts to share. Um, one, how diverse is the police force here, and why does this department not have body cameras? We are approximately 20 percent uh, female uh, and 10 percent uh, minority, uh, be, be they uh, folks of color or, or other ethnicities. We don't have body cameras at this time because uh, I believe a, in the way our officers do their job, we do have dash cameras. But the main reason we don't have them yet is there, there are still a great many things that need to be ironed out with body cameras. Uh, there, there really are. And if, if you look closely enough, you'll see some of the agencies um, that, that, that got body cameras and they've already started to walk back. I do know that the day will come when we will have them, uh, but, but I, I need to see some more uh, best practices. Um, I, I need to see, and we are constantly talking about that. In fact, we're, we're kind of developing our policy for when we do get them. Uh, our infrastructure is there, uh, and so it will just be a matter of us obtaining the cameras and, and working out the correct policies. Because if we're going to have them, and uh, they're going to be on, right? And and there's some infrastructure things that that need to be in place prior to that. I'm sorry. Do you have footage from dash cam or videos? You would have to call the BCA for that. Because my honest answer is I I don't know. Uh, I haven't inquired again because the BCA is the lead agency. Two part here. You mentioned social media as that demon. That no, that, that's just my opinion um, now, that things can get blasted all over creation right now, and it is very reckless in my opinion. It's very dangerous, and this is the kind of thing that could have escalated. 
And I am deeply concerned about that kind of stuff. Um, I'm deeply concerned that if we continue to alienate, there'll be a lot of good police officers that are going to walk away, and we're going to be in a lot of trouble. We really, truly are. We, we need to be cognizant, right, uh, about, I mean, we deal with the facts. And I'm so proud of our community that when we tell them, here's what happened, they believe us because we are transparent all the time. So, yep, that's my opinion. It, it is a demon, and it won't be a surprise to any of you that I might be the only planet, person left on the planet who's never been on Facebook. This may be a tough one, I'm sorry, but why do you think these rumors started and to the severity of them? Well, now you're asking me to get into people's heads. I, I yeah, think I that's, just, that's just where we are right now as a nation, as a people. Um, and we've got to do something about that uh, in short order, or we, I'm, uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Right? It is abhorrent to me that within minutes, the story that went out went out. This place, this place could have been on fire over a lie, right? not just a, some misinformation, not just a, uh, a, a few facts here and there. It was flat-out untrue. And the reason I feel this way is because it's not the first time it's happened to us. In my eight years here, uh, I can't tell you how many times and how many days we've spent debunking myths that started on the social media platform. They're scary. They, they get certain segments of our community whipped into a frenzy. Some of them flat out in fear, and it's just not true. That, that's my opinion on that matter. Chief, if I can. Absolutely. Uh, fear is a, is a powerful thing. And when uh, people are afraid, other people can take advantage of that. And so I think that with misinformation, and there's plenty of it on all sides, um, you're, you're, you're doing things on social media in order to get likes and clicks. And so, unfortunately, what you may have seen and or heard initially drive up the likes, okay? And we want to be careful not to play on people's fears right now. Uh, we, we want to be careful not to play on real situations and real concerns. There are lives at stake, okay? I've been a part of this community for 25 years, okay? I've been a black man all my life. And what I can tell you is that the fears are real. And it is unfortunate and unfair for people to prey on those fears in the interest of a click or two. And we must be careful about that. But that's the reason why we do the work that we're doing right now. I am not here because I am the first preacher that answered the phone. In this very room where you are standing, where we are having this press conference, we have met for years talking about situations and circumstances that we hoped would never come true. And yet here we are. What I want, the only thing I want to leave you with is the understanding that for all of the training that the chief just talked about, there's no training that teaches you how to be human. Okay? I want everybody to be able to understand that that these officers are human, 
They're doing humanity work. They're not, they, they don't come in here looking at, at blank faces. They don't come to work doing that. These police officers, one of the most important trainings they do is that they see us. We see them in the community, walk up to them, wave when they drive by. And so one of the greatest pieces and one of the greatest parts of all the work that they do is they remember that they are a part of. They don't police over us. We won't let them, first of all. That's, that's part of the role. But community policing requires the community as well. It requires both sides to be willing to come to the table and be willing to talk, be willing to negotiate. And let me, let's be clear about it. Sometimes we don't agree. And, and it's okay not to agree. Okay, we reference back to the idea that anger is natural. So for those who are looking for likes, I would recommend that they photograph a kitty cat or something. <laughs> Go do something else. These are lives. There are young black men across this nation that are losing their lives. The last thing that we need is to stoke anybody else's fear over anything. I don't want the officers. I don't want the community. I don't want anybody to walk out in, into our great city and fear for their lives. That is un-American. That's un-Minnesotan. And that is not like St. Cloud. We need to stand up to represent the truth that is, what, that is in our hearts, which is that everyone is fair. Everyone is equal. Everyone has a right to exist. And so as we navigate through this tidal wave of stuff that's going to come, even after the cameras go away, we will still do the work that we've been doing. We will still have the conversations that we've been having. And we will continue to do the things that are necessary. One of the most important things that I was proud of is that in the middle of George Floyd, we were talking. Before George Floyd, we were talking. As Atlanta burns, now we are talking. And before this incident at 12.09 last night or early this morning, we were talking. And you know what we're going to be doing after this? We're going to be talking. We're going to make sure we're going to double back, make sure. We're going to talk about it again. We're going to get uncomfortable again. And we're going to do the things again in order to make sure that we are ever more ready for the event that we don't want to happen. Thank you. I think it said thank you. And any other questions? And as the chief said, the BCA will be doing the investigation for questions specific to be under their jurisdiction. So, but thank you for being here. Mr. Mayor, if you don't mind after hearing, Well, I, as, as Pastor amply said, the aspect of, of what we do in this community, we've been doing for a long time. We have been doing this uh, in times when there wasn't uh, what we've seen in the last few weeks. We've had these discussions for 20 years. We had, we've had many, many conversations. There is nothing that leads to anything that, when it comes to community building and relationships, the conversation leads to relationships. Relationships lead to trust and respect for our community. So those conversations, uh, I, I agree with them 100%. We, we had a long conversation on Saturday.
Uh, in fact, the three of us, I think, were there before anybody got there, and we were the last people to leave three and a half hours later because uh, we had conversations. And that just didn't start this week. That has started a long time. Those conversations uh, need to continue. They absolutely do. But this didn't just start here today. And the reason, uh, the reaction, what you, what you see this morning is a product of a lot of work that a lot of people in this community have done. You know, this is a community that understands that. We, we don't shy away from tough conversations, not at all, not in the least. Uh, the aspect of those conversations and this community building has happened for a long time, and it will continue. Um, and uh, we don't, we don't uh, we, you know, the aspect I see oftentimes uh, for folks that, um, you know, are beginning those conversations, we're continuing those conversations, and they will continue, and that relationship will continue, and the building of our community will continue. One last Thank question, you. perhaps, for the chief. Um, speaking along the lines of community building, do you have off the top of your head, that's about just to stick on, how many of your officers actually live in St. Cloud, and if it's significant, do you believe that makes a difference? I do not have the the numbers that you're asking for, but we should be clear the Minnesota Supreme Court has made it very clear uh, that a person can live wherever they want. Um, I, I understand the, the nature of your question. Um, I don't believe that you have to live in a particular place to be invested in it. And, and the reason for that is because of what I see each and every day. Our police officers do not strip other human beings of their dignity. And one of the main reasons for that is their humanity, but the other one is they know they'll have to come see me, and that's not going to be a pleasant visit. So again, the, the, the pride I have is, is, is like I, I can't overstate it because I see it day after day after day. And that's why I'm imploring anybody who wants to see that, please come. And this is why we make deposits in that reservoir of trust. This is why every single day. So that when something like this does happen and we tell the community what happened, they believe us because we've already established that trust and that legitimate excuse me, that legitimacy uh, and all the things in the 21st century policing model. Uh, we've been doing that before President Obama uh, put together a panel to, to figure out how. It is a matter of course for us uh, and a real sense of pride. Okay? Thank you, Thank you guys.